2: I'm great, Val. I'm really excited about this week's episode. We're talking with Nancy Floyd, who did a 40 year self-portrait series and I'm telling you Mm. it has been a long time since images uh, that I have looked at have made me think so deeply about photography and life and everything. This this series of images had a huge impact on me and that's why I'm so thankful that I reached out to Nancy and she agreed to do this interview because her work is everywhere. She's been interviewed Mm. by Everyone, in terms of like you know, high end art publications, and her work is so inspiring and amazing. And I hope everyone enjoys uh, the interview this week. But um, yeah, I thought As, we'd start- and 40, we- forty years is a commitment. That is playing the long game, and I am mm. fascinated by all people who will have that level of commitment to a project without seeing, you know. Uh, the the, the fruits of their labor. You know, you see the images, but in terms of like exhibitions and being recognized, it's all starting to happen now and will continue Mm. in the future. But you wait 40 years for something. And in the meantime, she went on and did other projects, of course, but just to commit to that, I Mm. think it's uh, so inspiring. So I thought, Val, Mm. because we were talking about like this form of, the, you know, the original... uh, self-portrait which a lot of photographers uh, did early in the day and you know we're finding that a lot of a lot of photographers now, a lot of photographers in the goldies do self-portraits to practice their, yeah. uh, their, their lighting and I've just told everyone you just got to get over yourself and get that's your term Val, that's yeah. what you always say, just get over it when mm. I say, oh, I'm really struggling with this and, I need you, and you just go, get over it <laughs> just get over yourself, you know which is great advice, a little harsh but that's alright, you don't sort of um you don't add any salt and pepper do you when you're sort of giving out advice There's no there's no spices, you just you just you just get over it Mm -hmm. (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is great um and so uh yeah i've got the a lot of the the goldies and the listeners uh in the so you want to be a photographer listener community as well that just like use yourself to practice your lighting and it doesn't matter if at first you're not exactly getting those images sharp it's a great way to test lighting and, uh, and do all of that. So I thought I'd just do a little bit of a, a, a dive into the history of the selfie because okay. mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, but the term selfie first coined in good old Australia. So apparently the story <laughs> goes that back in September 2002, mm-hmm. uh an Australian guy on a drunken night, really, a drunken night, an Aussie on a drunken night, that's so unusual, don't you think? Oh on a drunken God. night, um, wanted, uh, sent out a, a, me, uh, a photo to his mates because he wanted to know if, uh, hey, mate, I've cut my lip, do I, need, uh, <laughs> do I need stitches? And he said, hang on, hang on a minute, I'm going to take a photo of myself, so I'll take a selfie. <laughs> and that's where the term selfie was coined. By an it's an <gasps> Aussie it. phrase, and it's probably uh, one of the most used words the words in the world, don't you think? So, yeah. so, but before that, so that was the the first selfie, the first self portrait um, by a, a a photographer was taken. By, so before that, artists through the ages have, have painted themselves. I even painted myself in art school. Val, I've got really? a couple of self portraits that I did. Yes. okay believe it or not we had to it was part of a have you still got them uh uh, i believe my nephew has one hanging in his share house city because that is weird when when we were clearing out mums i had the option to take it home and i'm like no (laughs) no i want a photo of myself on the painting of myself on the wall um (laughs) i look like a yeah yeah anyway so um the first self-portrait by a photographer is credited to a uh, photographer by the name of Robert Cornelius in 1839. Mm. Uh, so he did that, that the first self-portrait. And then the first self-portrait that you saw that was taken in, in the the technique that like the selfie where you take it of yourself holding yeah, the camera. Holding the camera um, yeah. So it was taken um, back in 1920 and the, the issue was that it took five men to lift the camera because <laughs> the camera is so big. So they all, um, extended their hands and they're like, you know, let's take a group photo. Well, we'll, we've got no one to take it if it's going to be all of us. So they, mm. they, they, um, Held, all held the camera together and extended their hands so that they could do uh, a self-portrait. And, you know, mm. after that, we got uh, autofocus and self-timers on cameras so that we could make it easy. And now, of course, we've got that super, super wide lens mm. on the iPhone, which allows us to take Uh, And the front-facing mirror. So not only can you take a photo, but you can Mm, look at yourself even more. Better for narcissists. Like you can just (laughs) look at yourself all the time and take photos. But this camera, this iPhone or smartphone super-wide cameras are causing body dysmorphia, Val. Because Mm. it's like there is something called the iPhone or the smartphone factor And uh, your portrait photographers will have had an experience where you photograph, I guess, anyone under 30 and Mm. you'll photograph them with a long lens, show them the shot. The first reaction is, I don't look like that. (laughs) Do you know why? Because when you're used to taking selfies and if you're someone who takes selfies like thousands of them Mm. slightly from above with the phone very close to your face Mm. it has this uh because of the distortion caused by the wide angle lens it's going to distort your face it makes it look narrower so when people see a shot taken on a long lens which flattens the features and will kind of make the face look a little bit broader they're not going to like it Mm. so it's interesting so i don't know the workaround for that other than (laughs) yeah. <laughs> photographing everyone. Hang on, let me just get my iPhone out. All right, everyone like just that? needs to
1: photograph themselves. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, well, it's happening now where it's like, yeah. you know, people just know their angles so well that mm. they're happy to uh, just take their own shots. So, yeah. there you go, a little bit of a history of the uh, the selfie. Australian term. Australians invented Love selfies. It. Love Thank it. you very because much. Of a drunk
1: Australian invented a, even selfies. Even better. Because we shorten everything, like Barbie, <laughs> yeah. barbecue, fire firefighter, posties, the postman, you know, Tinny. Yeah. Or canopy. as um, what's
2: the what's the author I was talking about that says we, we do baby talk? <laughs>
1: That's hilarious! Alright, <laughs> so obviously uh, the um, Nancy who we will hear from soon is yeah. kind of like has been doing selfies before selfie was a thing. Um, but before we get on to Nancy, what have you been up to?
2: So I heard a great story this week uh, from a, a really good friend of mine who was telling me about an experience she had with a photographer. So uh, she's over in uh, South Australia and was getting uh, was uh, hired to to uh, bring in a, a photographer to do all the headshots mm-hmm. um, for the company. But because we've spent so much time working together and she's been on shoots with me, I think some of the it's like it makes me really proud, Val, that people mm-hmm. actually pay. Attention! When yes. I I tell them stuff, and she's like, so you know, the stuff all looked good, but um, when uh, he came over, he rushed us all so much and just mm. said, yeah, 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 that's great, that's great, and just like tried to talk us all uh, through. The, talk us into the fact that the the photos were great and she said the standout thing that I noticed in the difference between when you do a shoot and uh, when this person did a shoot was there was zero direction yeah, and zero – and this is the one that I went, oh, wow, you noticed that zero finessing. So um, this photographer didn't say, oh, hang on, like just um, – Uh, Get rid of the the creases. Let's get rid of lint. Let's just Mm. organize. Let's just finesse everyone in the group. Those little one percenters, people notice. And it might be, you know, that um, they don't notice during the day. They will notice when they're staring at those photos, you know, for the rest of the time that they have to use them and it'll really annoy them. So, you know, it's really important. And we've got like a, uh, a cheat sheet that I give to my uh, gold members of all the things that you should remember and then eventually... Uh, this is something that you will just, it just burned into your brain. So like when I was first starting out, Val, I didn't see any of this stuff. Like, and it was Mm. the stylists who were like the great stylists, whispered to me like uh, a you know hey um his shirt is creased or hey do you want me to go smooth the back of the shirt all of that sort of stuff I'm like oh my god I didn't notice I was too busy just being excited that my images actually were sharp (laughs) you know so (laughs) it's all those little things that you just start to remember you it's better to get rid of the lint off a black jacket than have to individually retouch all those little bits of hair it's easier and quicker to just take a second to go hang on I'm just stepping in I'm just going to move that hair off your eye than to have to retouch it out. And um, it's better to just angle the body slightly or get that chin forward and head down than it is to try and retouch out double chins or have the client actually not like it. So it is so important to take the time and, and and plan it into your day, like plan it into the brief. It's like, you know, I'm going to take X amount of time to shoot the shot. Don't just blitz through and overlook these things because this is the difference between having a 20, 30 year plus relationship with this client who will go to many, many different places And take you along with them or getting just being hired once and never being asked back again. I think it's so important, those little one percenters. And then, you know... Talking the client through and spending the time to inject the energy, your your mood as a photographer is going to infect everyone in the room. So if you come in and you're rushed and you're hurrying everyone, and it's obvious that you just can't wait to get out of there, they're going to respond to that with their energy, right? So so it's really important that you're um, you know happy and encouraging, and you want to see the best. Uh, from your clients, so I just thought that was a, a really interesting story, and I'm, I'm I'm so glad that some of the stuff rubbed off, you know.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that that's awesome that you can have that sort of relationship with a client but that you've you know, been having for decades. But even if you don't, I think that it's really useful for photographers to no- think about the little things because sometimes they think it's just about the technical skill and it's not just about the technical skill. And one of the great things about the advice that you share in the gold community is not only the technical skill, but all of those little things that you think only know after you've had decades of experience in all of your templates and in all of your um, checklists and and obviously just all of your stories and your experience and the things that happen because people learn from hearing from the stories of other photographers. So um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, a lot of people who are members of the gold community um, find that really, really valuable. I know I learn from them for sure. Now, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold Community. Have a listen to this.
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community.
1: If you want to take your photography to the next
2: level, I'd like to invite you to join my Gold Community. I love mentoring members and many achieve so much more than they think is possible. Here's what Frank Romano had to say.
3: When I called you and and you were gracious enough to to humor me and something magical happened that night and uh, you know uh, when you just showed me two or three things my mind just went boom and I just said yeah this is this this is it away we go and um, the flames been uh, roaring ever since. Yeah, you know, I get up at six. Uh, you know, six six thirty every day, and I would spend at least half an hour to an hour every day uh, uh, learning uh, some mm. some skill, either a technical skill, a creative skill, uh, online listening to uh, or you know going through your uh, your tutorials. I've been through your tutorials many many times, again mm. and again and again. Um, so, so. Uh, It's it's really uh, identifying, you know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, aren't clear Well, you know, why why are you actually doing this? What's your intention? And they're not totally focused and committed on that. But if you're totally focused and passionate about achieving that intention, then you'll focus your attention on those areas and and you'll you'll, uh, achieve or you go looking for the skills
2: if you'd like to find out more about the gold community just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community
1: all right let's move on to our photographer this week our guest nancy floyd what can you tell us about nancy gina all right so as i
2: said in the introduction this uh Photographer, the images absolutely stopped me in my tracks and I don't think I've been as affected by a body of work as deeply for, for a very, very long time. So um, she's Nancy Floyd has been photographing herself since 1982 for the last wow. 40 years with Amazing. the aim of taking a photo of a day. And so the result is this body of work that comprises over 2,500 images. And so the idea behind this uh, exercise was to – she initially thought the idea, I'm going to watch myself age, you know. So Mm. she decided this Mm. as a 25-year-old. I want to see what it's like. And at the time, she thought she'd stop at 40 because when you're 25 – Forty is ancient. Right? hundred. <laughs> Forty because I even said I'd even I even said that it's like I can remember being in a nightclub when I was like yeah. eighteen or twenty and there was a group of twenty five year old women there and I remember saying yeah. to my friends, Oh my god, why are they here? They're so old. <laughs> you know? Which is how you think when you're Did you you're used that... to talk like that? No, but I thought that was a good impersonation of <laughs> someone that's really young and silly. Um, and so you know but it turned out to become you know a study of not only the passage of time but of loss and uh you know also aging and you know the changing female body and also changing Mm. technology and you know Mm. it's so so powerful and uh she's uh, as i said she's been a, a visual artist for over 40 years has uh, received like numerous grants her work has been featured in uh you know many exhibitions and galleries around the states and it's just like 40 years later, she's starting to be recognized and uh, this is like the start of bigger and and better things. So her book um, has, uh, Weathering Time has just come out and it's already won uh, a photo award. And, uh, you know, as we were doing this interview at the end of it, she showed me the book and held it up. It's the first time she's been holding it. So it was a a fantastic experience. So uh, we talked about a lot of things and, uh, you know, including including how she uh, first reacted when seeing this whole body of work for the first time. Um, You know, the idea of letting go of this perfectionism and focusing on the long game. So it's not like all right, when I do this, I'm going to be rich and famous and this is going to get me a million Instagram f- followers. That was not, not, never in her thinking. It was all about mm. just doing the work, sitting down every day and doing the work. So obviously the technical aspects of how she did that would have changed over time and so we talked about that, how her thought process changed, you know, um, and uh, she gives herself advice Back to her Mm -hmm. 25-year-old self, she gives us advice on uh, starting personal projects and uh, very powerful to hear what she thinks the final image in the series should be. There's a lot Mm. in this, I think, personal projects. Any photographer, whether you're commercial, you're just starting out, are so important because this is when you can Mm. truly be free as a photographer and really capture the things you love, your style will evolve, and you never know what will come of it. So I'm really excited to share this interview. So let's have a listen. Nancy Floyd, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great. Thanks. I'm super excited to chat to you. Before we start, uh, one question I always ask my guests is where in the world are you?
4: I'm in central Oregon um, in a small city called Bend, B-E-N-D.
2: And a beautiful part of the world. So, you know, it must be nice to to live in a, a small town. Are you enjoying it?
4: Absolutely. There's the Cascades to the west of us and the high desert to the right of us. And um, it's wonderful. It's just beautiful here. Yeah. I guess I should say west and east, not left and right. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. Fair enough. <laughs>
2: that's, that's great. Um, I have to say that um, I haven't. Thought about or been affected by a, a body of work um, and, and thought about something this deeply for a long time. It's like your self portrait series. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, it, like, for, for a series of self portraits, you know, when I compare them to, the, say, modern day s- selfies, uh, the modern day selfie to me screams, Look at me, look at me. And, um, your your images have the opposite effect and they force me to uh reflect on my own life and i just like just on that it's like i personally have this deep distrust of anyone who looks too perfect right so that when someone it's to me the reaction when i see someone who's overly made up or their clothes are too perfect, or the home is too manicured, or even like a brand new building or a brand new city. Like to me, I feel it's soulless. And I see like the beauty in the cracks for me. And uh, I feel that people who are too perfect, like they're hiding something. And um, it's like what it reveals more about what they're hiding. And so your images, have the opposite. And there's something when I see those images of you, to me, you present yourself with that purity and confidence of uh, like a, a four-year-old. You know, when someone, like a young child, when they everything they say and everything they do and how they hold themselves, a four-year-old, but before they've been kind of <laughs> brainwashed by society has this beautiful innocence and confidence Where did that come from and how did that stay with you your whole life? Or am I reading too much into the images?
4: Um, I think it has to do with the technique of the project, which was um, when I started it in 1982, it was on film. So that um, I would take one roll of film and I would put it in a camera and that would be a month. So it would be like June 1st. And every day I would take a picture on that roll of film. And if I didn't take a picture, I would advance the film. So that it would be a blank. Um, and at the end of the month, I'd pull that roll out and put a new one in. That didn't mean I would process the film right then. Yeah. So it could be months. And sometimes it was years before I processed the film. The other thing is that um, I wanted there to be my body from head to toe yeah. and some of my environment and um so i'm just sort of presenting myself to the camera also um, i was influenced by um my second wave feminism at that time and i was trying to describe my body as opposed to showing my body in a way that was um, going to suggest anything i'm sort of just straightforward matter of fact um, way I didn't realize how I how I stand the same way so often until yes. you know of doing it. But but yeah, it's basically me just sort of standing there and saying, "Here I am." Um, and I didn't smile in the beginning. And yes, you're right. I have a sloppy room, and I still do.
2: <laughs> and I love that. I love that. And, uh, and
4: I don't clean up for things. Um, so yeah, it, it really was very much um, very simple. You put a camera in the corner of the room on a tripod, you have a a cable release. I wake up in the morning, I grab the cable release and stand back and take a picture and move on with my my day. So there's very little thought process in it. Um, That's the way it started and um, and that's why I like it. Um, Right now, I don't have a camera a tripod set up in my house in a specific place so i do feel like they seem to be a little more forced although over time they don't seem to be that way but when i take them because i'm setting them up and checking the focus every single time it's a little more technical
2: yeah um so i feel
4: like i'm a little more forced but um you don't see that in the final results
2: yeah i, I want to get into how the project evolved over the years but um to start out with but like so you were 25 when you had this uh, the, the idea to start this project and you just graduated from, uh, a, was it a degree in photography that you'd just yes. done? Okay, so you're 25-year-old and I can remember myself at 25. I wanted to do all this stuff and change the world. What was the thinking, that initial idea, I'm going to take uh, self-portrait every day and watch myself age? What, so can you remember that initial conversation you had with yourself or a friend about this is what I'm going to do? Or was it, was there an, an, an initial conversation or did it just, you just started? How, how did it start? Um, I had finished
4: my undergraduate degree and I was waiting tables and I was saving money and I'd finally saved enough money to buy my first adult 35mm camera. The camera I did have was a sp a Pentax SP1000, which was um, kind of a beginner camera. Um, and so I finally bought my first profes- professional camera, as I would call it. And um, and all of a sudden, I had two cameras and that seemed kind of indulgent. So I just was talking to a friend one day and I said, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting if I just set my camera up in the corner of a room and took a picture of myself every day and watched myself grow older? Mm. And so lo and behold, that's what I ended up doing was setting it up on the camera and uh, a tripod in the corner. I didn't want to waste my second camera. Um, <laughs> it was as simple as that.
2: So, you, talking about re- recording yourself growing older, and I know, like, I can remember being um, uh, like even at, 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 at twenty and being in a nightclub and looking over and seeing a group of twenty five year olds at the nightclub and thinking what are they doing here? They're too old. Like, you know, <laughs> at 20, I thought 25 year olds were old. So like at 25, the initial aim was to, to go to like 40. Is that right? Because you couldn't probably even imagine yourself like 40 to a 25 year old is super old, isn't it? Like, did you think, Absolutely. So, so you thought I'll do this every day until I turn 40?
4: Yes, I really, I, I thought I'd be ancient at 40, yeah. and <laughs> I guess 45, because I was 25, um, and I thought I would be ancient at 45, and it just seemed like a good amount of time to work, um, but it, it ended up not being 20 years, obviously. No, um,
2: it's been more um, like 40 got, now, hasn't it? It's 40, this is, I'm going to my 40th year now, yes. Unbelievable. So, All right, so you've had this idea and you start. I'm just going to go to the, fast forward here to the end. There was a moment uh, when you saw this whole collection and I know that you've taken over two and a half thousand images, but at the show itself, the body of work, can you recall that moment for the first time when you saw it in its entirety in front of you and what that felt like? What was your reaction?
4: That would have been in 2002 when I was scanning all the negatives because I had this crazy idea that if I scanned them all, I could put them into a video program and you could see my body over time. Hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever seen them outside of contact sheets. And I don't know if you know what the contact sheet is.
2: Yes, I I grew up in the age of – I'm not that (laughs) – that much younger than you, Nancy, <laughs> so yes, I, did, I spent the first half of my career shooting film and contact sheets, yes.
4: <laughs> so, so, I'd only seen, you know, 30 pictures of myself at one time, so Gosh. when I started scanning them, um, you know, first of all, scanning them takes time so you can look at them for a while, and also scans tend to, you can blow them up and you can see more detail in the room, and it was pretty impressive to me to see all of a sudden all this detail that I'd never even thought about. Um, you can see my books that I was reading when I first got out of college. And you can see the cameras I use and the film I'm using because, again, I'm, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm messy. And when I started the project, I only had one room in a house. So all of my stuff is in that room. So you'll see my cameras sitting there or the film sitting there. Or later on, you'll see my typewriter, because I'm writing, you know, when I go to graduate school, I'm writing um, essays for school. Yeah. Um, so all that stuff starts to show up. And it was surprising to me to think about this project more than just about my body aging but technology changes and fashions change and um, at at that time no one that I was was photographing because my family sometimes are in my pictures and my friends but no one at that point had um, passed away so it really was just sort of um, you know looking at these pictures and seeing us aging over 20 years.
2: Yeah yeah so what was that feeling then? What what was the initial feeling when you saw those images? Was it pride? Was it sadness? Was it a mix? What what did, did you know what the overwhelming the, you know, I think I, I don't know what I how I would feel seeing my life in front of me like that.
4: It was pretty exciting because you know, 20 years you, you don't age that. I mean, you do age in 20 years from 25 to 45, but it's slow and yeah. it's you know, you're still, I mean, the wrinkles, and I'm the wrinkles are there, but I'm far, far away from the from the um from the camera because it's my whole body. So you don't see the the detail detail. yeah, quote unquote detail. Um, but it was surprising to just notice all this other stuff that was coming up that I had not even thought about when I started the project. So yeah, it was pride. It was a feeling of excitement and clearly a feeling of, well, I'm not going to quit now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So that would have just made you keep going. Cause you just noticed all these little details. It's like, so I'm noticing, you know, the, the change in technology and uh, the way we, uh, I guess the, the stuff that you read and, and how you've changed as a person. So, um, A quote that I just shared with my students yesterday was that 80% of success in life is just showing up and to encourage them to trust the weight. Now, we're in this um, kind of time in the world where... People are impatient. We get everything so quickly, you know. We don't have to wait for the latest movie to come out anymore. We can just download it and stream it instantly. We see, you know, we don't have to miss our family and friends. We can see them. You can pick up the phone and you can Skype them and see them. So everything is this instant thing. And then there's this attitude that, like, you know you can be successful. There's a lot of people online saying that you can be successful. Uh, You know, I went from zero income to six figures in three weeks by my course, you know. So that's a lot of what we see. And the whole notion of playing the long game is something that I'm so fascinated with. And I see that the most successful people in the world just show up every day. And it's not necessarily that they do it perfectly, they just do it. And I know that this project of yours, there were gaps in the process, but it was the fact that you kept going and did it consistently. So how has that evolved over the years? And and what was your thinking? Because I know there are people that will start a project and it's like, I guess, when you decide to work out, you know, January one, I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to work out. I'm going to be so fit. And then three weeks in, you miss a day, then you miss two. And then it's like, it's all over. I'll just eat a whole jar of Nutella now, sabotage the whole thing. Does that come into your thinking in your way of doing things? Were there times when you, I know there were times when you missed huge chunks of time. How did you deal with that? Um,
4: well, I'm not a good example for the quick art project because all of my work has taken years to make, not just this peer, this project, but um, I wrote a book, A Visual History of Women and Guns in America, and I started that in 93, and the book came out in 2008. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm working on a body of work that will be shown this fall, and I think I started it in 2000, I'd say, 11, and it's going to be shown in um, 2021, so I work on projects for a long period of time. Doesn't mean I'm not making other, doing other things in yeah. between, but I'm very patient when it comes to my artwork. I, I can't rush it. It it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm successful. I remember in school, you know, you'd get an assignment and I would immediately feel dread because it would be the pressures on. I've only got X amount of time to finish this, and so I wasn't really a very good student for that reason because the pressure would get to me and I would just think about oh my god it's due it's due it's due so I really put myself in a position where I um I don't work very fast and I was fortunate because I was a professor for, for so many years so I actually had an income outside of photography that would allow me to take the time to make the projects work in the way that I know best so
2: Back on this long game and this delayed gratification, and the notion of that. So, so there's this like really famous experiment that I think they did in the 60s with uh, preschool children where they put them in a room and they said, okay, and they put a marshmallow in front of them, I think it was, and they said, okay you can have this marshmallow right now, or if you wait, I'll give you two or three. And then they filmed these kids and their reactions. And then they actually followed these kids through their life. And they found that the ones who turned down the marshmallow at the start and accepted the, the three marshmallows or two marshmallows later were ended up being the most successful in life because it's this notion of if you can delay gratification and focus on, you know the journey rather than you know the end result or getting that 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 result immediately uh you'll have success in the long term is that your would would you have taken the first marshmallow or would you would you have waited? I imagine you would have waited
4: I don't know I really went especially when I was a kid I, sweets were my weakness <laughs> I don't waited for a marshmallow yeah. um. I think maybe if I knew there, I don't know. No, I I think I probably would have (laughs) eaten the marshmallow. I really have
2: no control over sweets (laughs) even now, but I'm better at it now. (laughs) so, So, but this body of work, you waited how many years before you actually showed it to the world or were there, because, you know, even five years in, you've got this huge body of work. Was there, um, any part of you that was saying I need to have a show I should have a show I should do a book Here's five of oh, oh, this is unreal this is five years who's done that what, not, what was you thinking not with,
4: not with the self-portraits with my other work sometimes yes I'm, yeah. I'm much more antsy and I and I would have shows with the with the, the women in guns work I did have a lot of shows before the book came out but with the self-portraits they're kind of banal and in, in their everydayness and so for me, it takes a long time and you need to see a lot of pictures to see that sort of change. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't some photographs that are in the series that I really like in and of themselves with a single image, but it is the volume <clears throat> in the self portrait series that is really important to me. Um, with the women and guns, with my new work, you know, I've had shows with some pieces from the show, um, and and yes, that that work I would I would be biting at the bit more to show. But with the self portraits until two thousand two, hmm. uh, I think I tried a few times to show contact sheets, but I think it was that volume that was necessary for that work. Um, so yeah, I'd like to say that I'm always patient. I'm not, but with <laughs> the self portraits. I was pretty patient.
2: <laughs> and I think that's good to know. And I just love that you just kept going regardless, you know, even though you missed, missed, um, you know, images, missed days. Uh, I think that's amazing. So what I want to ask you is um, the 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 technical approach to, to, to doing the work, how did that change over the years? And so in terms of like, because obviously – you're starting to look back on the images and I guess you can't help as an artist looking at an image and going, well, how can I improve this? And so how did your sort of approach to the background that you choose, the camera or the lens or, you know, that that sort of the thinking behind where am I going to shoot this, that, that decisive moment, how much thought went into that? And how has that changed over the years, particularly like, kind of now, like now-ish in the last few years as the spotlight has been on you about these these images, has that changed the way you think about it?
4: Yes. Um, I mean, technically it was film for the first, well until 2018 it was film. Um, So that was the first change, was going from film to digital and the only reason why I did is that um, it's technically so much easier to take the camera anywhere and take pictures as opposed to just being in my house in a corner of the room with lights I mean in some of the later on I had to put floods in the room just so that you would yep. see the the picture um, so technically it became easier with digital and you can have a higher um, ISO um, so that's one thing um, and and so now the camera, I can take it anywhere. So I'll take it when I go camping or I'll take it when I travel. Um, when I backpack, I still carry a tiny point and shoot, yep. but I've started doing digital files there as well. So you can sort of see me moving around outside of my house. Cause until I would say 2006, um, the photographs were either always in the house or outside the, you know, on the porch yeah. or on my honeymoon, I took the camera. So <laughs> but taking, it, taking your camera with you everywhere you go can be a real pain. Um, yeah. So I started um, doing digital. So that was one thing. Um, I also, um, I wanted to, there were certain photographs that I thought were really wonderful. I liked the way I was standing, or I liked the clothing I was wearing, or I liked the environment. So I've been doing some reenactments where I actually wear the same clothing and stand in the same position. So these are, you know, they become part of the series, but they're outside of the daily practice doing it. I keep it the same lens. It's a, it's a 50 millimeter lens. Um, I try to keep it at the same camera angle. I don't want drama. I want straight on. Yeah. Uh, and, um, um, August Saunders, the German photographer was one of my, and still is one of my absolutely favorite photographers. He photographed the German people very much straight on. A lot of them had environmental, you know, the environment with them. And that was really important to me. So, um, so that technically that stays there. Um, in terms of let's see, dress. Um, you know, in 2002, when I was making that video, um, I started thinking about categories like um, shirts with words. So I started collecting, you know, gathering all my shirts with words, or uh, my pants, my trousers. You know, so because so, fashions change, or like I said earlier, my computer or my typewriter. Um, eventually, I had a computer, so I started cate- getting these categories. And setting them into um, sort of um, piles to see how I could put them together. Now, because I am photographing computers and telephones and whatever, I make a point every year or so to at least include them back in the sh- in the pr- in the shot, so that you can see them over and over. And for this book. For example, um, there's a series about cars. It's all the cars I've had over my lifetime since <laughs> I did the project. And my, my Toyota that I have right now, I, I was not part of the series, so I went out and stood in front of my, my Toyota and took a picture one day so that I could put that into the archive. Um, so I'm thinking about those um, categories that I've already got and trying to add more photos as I get older. Um Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty much it. I'm still, you know, every once in a while, someone will say, oh, I can see all, you know, I can see some object in so many photographs. And I'll think, oh, well, maybe I should do that. Like televisions, you know, Yes, (laughs) you go back and find all your TVs and and then you put those together so those are sort of after the uh, fact like i hadn't been photographing myself in front of my television the last few years um and for the book and for the project for the long-term archive i decided well i should be standing in front of the television yeah also during the election i decided to stand in front of the television with the (laughs) elections showing on the tv so you could see sort of what's going on in my life yes um because sort of my generation is sort of documented, you know, in my project.
2: The- yeah, and, and that's incredible to see. And um, I'm just like the, the series of you with the uh, T-shirts with slogans on them is just such a beautiful snapshot in history. So you start early on. Uh, I think you're, uh, you know, pro- all the different decades, you're protesting something different. So I see you in a Black Lives Matter T-shirt. And then uh, what what's the earlier one? You're protesting something that's going on in the UK. And is, is that right or... I'm a vegetarian, so it's a animals
4: don't eat them. I'm pro-choice, so I did a lot of clinic defense, so you see the big blue rounds uh, for Um, pro-choice. When George W. Bush was in office, um, there was a local artist who had um, made T-shirts, so there was was one of George W. Bush, and it it can't happen here. So, you know.
2: (laughs) So I'd be really interested to um – like sort of imagine what how, what sort of impact having this series uh, on Instagram and how comments and cancel culture and all that would have impacted the series because it's think you went for a very long time without this this uh, body of work seeing the the day of light you know people didn't see it so you weren't getting those comments like oh look at all the TVs which sort of takes you in another direction so how how important do you think was like keeping just the idea of that as your idea and not being influenced by people outside of you. Did you have mentors working with you during this time? Did that influence how the how the body of work sort of progressed?
4: I did have mentors, but I was doing it when I would meet with them. Um, and all of my mentors have always been really supportive of this project. Um, so that wasn't an issue. Um, yeah, you know, I think... I'm just trying to imagine myself being 25 yeah. and if I was showing those pictures on Instagram, um, I think, you know, the biggest criticism I get for the work is that it's just boring. I'm just, you know, it's just a person standing there. There's nothing going on because yeah. um, it's, it's a very specific kind of aesthetic and it's yeah. not everyone's cup of tea. So... Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it would bother me because, as I said, I mean, I was reading a lot of feminism at the time. And I was really focused on creating a body of work where I showed a woman's body that wasn't objectified, that that showed agency, that showed her control over the camera and the image. Um, So um, I would like to say I wouldn't have... Been discouraged or changed my style, Um, but I don't know because that's twenty five years old mind. That's a that's a twenty five year old mind that I don't have anymore. Exactly, it's hard to say. But I get very stubborn about what I want to do. That that I do know um, when I'm in a critique as a student, um, you know, I always listened to everything that people said and I I took everything seriously. But if people seem to be going away from what I was thinking about or were really trying to get me to, you know, make it more dramatic, make a photograph more dramatic or show change the lighting, that wouldn't work. I was more interested in content over technical. Um, exactly.
2: Yeah, and I can, I can easily see, like, little 25-year-old Nancy uploading this photo to a, a facebook group and everyone just going oh yeah you need to increase the contrast and uh the highlights are blown that's no good and uh yeah have you thought about doing this with a long lens so you get a bit more bokeh in the background i can just see right. of, like completely missing the point so that's really interesting on the like you took Definitely, when you were shooting film, it was one image, and and if you missed a day, you'd roll the film and so advance the film, so you had a blank image, which is really powerful in itself. Have you ever retaken a shot where you go, uh, my hair looks bad," or "I've blinked"?
4: <laughs> my hair looks bad in a lot of my pictures. Um, <laughs> um, you know, with the with the digital camera, I can reshoot, and and I'm trying to be very careful not to edit too much. I'm trying to just shoot one image, but if it's out of focus, yeah. I mean, that's one thing. Um, you know, a lot of, there was one time, for about a year, that my camera was out of focus because it was on the tripod and I'd focused it, but some at some point it just had been shifted just a yeah, tiny right. bit. So all those
2: images are just a little soft. But aren't all the images taken like on film a little soft? I, like, I look at all my images and I'm like, my God, how did I how did I actually shoot? They're, they're all soft. So, so I try not to do too much editing.
4: Although to be honest, when I'm with my dog. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes I want her to stare at the camera, and if she's not staring, I'll take a few extra pictures right, of her. Right. right. Um, and sometimes I have thought to myself when I looked at a picture, "Oh God, I can't I pull my pants up?" Or you know, <laughs> well, on occasion I will do that, but I try really hard to stay away from doing too much of that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, <I> th- <laughs> I'm not <impressed>. a <laughs> And yeah, you can you can see that in 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 the whole series of images. I think. For me, the most powerful em- element in this body of work is not actually what is in the images, but what's missing, you know. Mm. So you see over, over time that uh, family members start to disappear and it's like you can see that you're an animal lover but the the array of pets that you've had and of course like you know that the biggest sadness in life is that you know we outlive all our pets they don't live long enough you know and so you see them come and go and that is so powerful and it's um there was a photographer Angelo uh, Merendino who um he he photographed uh his wife's Uh, battle with uh, breast cancer and he took this whole series of images. And then the final image that just gets you is uh, the last image is an image of uh, her empty bed. And it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, I was looking at one of your uh, proof sheets for, for for an interview that you did where you actually uh, were photographing your father when he was ill. And and, uh, there's, the contact sheet is so powerful because there's so many misframes and it's just that blackness that just captures, you know, the mood. And what what was that like to, to document and, or did you just like not think and do it?
4: Mm -hmm. Well, um, when it was happening, it was, um, a normal process to take those photographs. My, parents were always really supportive and always wanted to be in the pictures. So that last month that my dad was alive, um, that last week, sorry, that my dad was alive, I asked him, can I still take pictures? And he said, sure. So um, I would set it up and take the picture. I, I think you know, when you're, I don't know if you've lost someone that you've yeah, been with. When you know, you're in it,
2: you're in it. You're actually not you're even thinking. A- it's just so normal that every everything becomes, we normalize everything. Even when if you're watching a loved one die, it's kind of becomes your new normal, doesn't it?
4: It's sort of like, you know, the deer in the headlights. You're sort of just yep. following along with yep. whatever is supposed to be happening while it's happening. Um, and it's not until afterwards that, um, that it becomes an impact. I think that, that con, that contact sheet, that roll of film, um, I don't think I processed it for a couple of months. And when Mm. I did, it was the same thing that you were talking about. I mean, I felt the power of that contact sheet because of the blanks that I, you know, there were so many where there, where there weren't pictures. I think there's only like six or seven shots for that month, um, And, um, and yeah, so it's a much more powerful image to me now than it was then. Um, again, like I just, we just talked about, you just sort of, you're on automatic almost when that sort of happens in terms of just what you need to do every day. Um, but now, um, and and that is part of the project at this point is that I'm starting to lose friends. I'm starting to lose family members. And so the project's a little darker now in, in that. Um, and sadder and sometimes I have a hard time looking at the photographs and and you know um, so there'll be times like when we were putting the getting the images for this book together there's over a thousand in the book um, you know trying to figure out which ones to put in there there were times I was just like I really don't want to see this picture of my dad anymore yeah uh, you know or I you know here's my mom and me right before she died and god that was a great day but man I don't want to see this yeah. anymore so yeah. so you of, you know, go in and out. Um, but I do love photographs and I do love having those photographs. I cherish them. Um, um, I do, I've always loved family photographs, even other people's family photographs. There's something about their generic quality, their, um, sort of banal quality that, yeah. that stands out for me. And, and so, um, while I do um, have moments where I just don't want to see them anymore, um, they're, they're there and, and I know that they become more powerful over time. And, and while I, you know, still miss my fam, my parents and it's not
2: easier, I'm just used to it now. So when you look back over that that body of work and you see like yourself at the different stages, do you do you recognise that girl? Do you know her anymore? Because like we change so much and how we think about things and feel about things. Do you do you do you remember how you felt? Like because I come from a, a world of photography where my job is to lie for a living. I work for advertising agencies and all <laughs> I do in my photos really is lie. We set things up, we stage it, mm-hmm. we stage emotions to sell stuff, you know, um, your images, there isn't, they're authentic, they're real. Do do you remember how you felt in those images and what was really going on and, and do you recognize her from the past?
4: Yeah, it depends. I mean, there's some periods where I, I I don't recognize me, but you know, there, there are times when, um, um, my mother was, was passing away and things were not going so well. So I get really thin, you'll see my body just gets thinner. But other than that, you don't really notice anything. Um, or, you know, like the month I got married, we went on a honeymoon, those photographs are there. So there's like little key pictures that you can go, oh, I know, I remember this period of time. Um, some of them I don't remember, but but some of them I do. And those that I do remember, um, that's kind of like my visual diary. It's sort of like, you know, I didn't keep a, a written diary. So here I am, you know, you know, on my first backpacking trip or here I am, you um, with um, Robin on my honeymoon. And so, so there, there are moments, there are, chunks of the photographs that I remember what was going on. And then there's others that, you know, they just sort of blur together yeah. for month month at a time. Um, but they but they come in, you know, they're sort of compartmentalized. Like, this is when I was in graduate school. This is when I went to my second graduate school. This is when I got married. This is when I first moved to Atlanta for my teaching job. And, you know, this is this is when I first moved to, to Oregon after I retired from my day job. So yeah, those are there. And, and I do think of my archive very much like a visual diary.
2: Yeah, and, and, and so with the with the family members, so when you're doing a project like this, they're kind of included. And I see a lot of images where, where your partner's there, the family's there. And, and so I think to be a photographer, you have to have the long suffering family members who usually are reluctant to be in the photos. Were they um, supportive and were they happy to be in the images?
4: Oh, yeah. They, they didn't want to be in the images. They're not in them, <laughs> except my nieces and my great nieces at a certain point. Ah. Um, I, I, it's really funny. My oldest niece, my two oldest nieces, I would visit a lot because they live close to my parents. And um, and there's a period of time that I didn't notice in the pictures until I was scanning them, um, but where they, they aren't smiling. Wrong. And while... I don't smile when I'm alone when you're with your family. I mean, it was like we all smiled, right? Yeah. But they're not smiling because they're kind of sullen. They're teenagers. Yeah. And then, and then, um, when I was moving out here, I stopped in Texas to visit my family and my niece's daughter, and one of the pictures is it smiling and she's a teenager now. So that was so, and that's, those are the fun ones to find. Those sort of surprising moments like,
2: oh my God, it's a whole
4: new series of sullen teenagers. <laughs> so there you go. There's a
2: whole little subcategory there for you. Um, so if you could go back now, back in time and talk to 25 year old Nancy, what advice would you have for her? Well, one of the
4: questions that I was asked a while back was to describe who, Nan- who that Nancy was at 25. Mm. Um, and so I had to really think about that for a while. But that Nancy was very ambitious. Mm. And she w- when I started that project, I was applying to grad school and I had lived in Texas all my life and I was accepted um, at a university in Chicago. So I up- and moved and left all my family, my friends, um, my relationships and just left because I wanted to be an artist and that was more important to me than anything. And then when I went to grad, went to um, my second grad school um, in California, same thing. So I was very focused and very ambitious. Um, and as I said, also a little stubborn, which is why the Nancy, the, the series of self-portraits kept yeah. up. Um, so that's what I, what I think about of, of that person, right? Just, you know, coming of age. And so I think... If I was talking to that Nancy, I'd just say,
2: "Do what you did because it worked out." <laughs> you, you do you, Nancy, go for it. Yeah, because she she did well, didn't she? I mean, are she, you proud of her? I am very proud yeah. of her. I really am. I mean, now that I'm older, I think God, if
4: I should have could have thought about money more, yeah, maybe I could have. <laughs> but,
2: but do you, you think know, if you had have thought about money, <laughs> do you think the project would have um, taken a different sort of um, journey? If money, so let's say, twenty-five-year-old Nancy got a hundred thousand-dollar advance to create a show based on self-portraits. Do you think it would have been different?
4: Not the self-portraits. I, I I really don't. I think that the the newer work would be different, absolutely. Mm. Um, But I did, um, with that in mind. I I was actually I studied commercial photography for two years, and I wanted to be a food photographer. Right. You know. And so I learned all the skill sets for being a commercial photographer. However, I went to a school that was sort of the, um like a boot camp school. Yeah. And they sort of taught us what it was going to be like when we worked with um, art directors. And I decided that I couldn't do that. I would not be able to handle the egos that those people have. <laughs> Again, I meant that I'm not good with deadlines because it makes me more nervous and, and tighten up. So I... I don't think I could be a commercial photographer. It takes a certain kind of um, confidence that I didn't have then. And I probably would have now, but I'm no interested in doing it. But, yeah, I don't think I had the confidence to take that kind of um, uh, career choice because it, it's, it was brutal. And it's, especially at that time for women, it was, it was even yeah. harder. Um, although I'm, I'm assuming it's still probably hard for women but back then um the sexism was much more blatant
2: yeah um, yeah I, much, expe- I experienced it as sort of at the start of my career whereas like i was one of no other female photographers in the industry so it was interesting but, but like you know we didn't even realize what we were up against because we we just accepted it as, as the norm so yeah. um times have certainly changed i think that school did you a huge favor because it's like you know i kind of like to believe it's a little bit woo-woo in my thinking but the universe nudges you along in the right direction and so the fact that you went to that school and were so turned off by the whole world of commercial photography means that we get to enjoy this beautiful and important <laughs> body of work that you've um, created so I think we all win from that um, as a final question um, I want to ask you what do you think so you want to continue with the, um, the images right? You'll go as yes. long as you can? What yes. in your what would be the ideal uh, final image for this series? Probably the same
4: kind of photograph that was taken of my mother, where after I've died, there I am in my deathbed or wherever I would be when I die.
2: So it's you on your deathbed. Yes. And um, so have you set up instructions for that to happen? <laughs> have you no, set up the succession I, I told plan?
4: You I've told everyone, just you know, get a picture get a, of me, get make a sure picture it's vertical. Go make on. sure it's vertical.
2: And don't, <laughs> so don't, you're art don't. directing from the grave. <laughs> so I'm just yeah, imagining pictures that there's just use that as an example. <laughs> have you have you created a document that says this is what this is how this is the it, it, shoot it at F 8 50 mil lens. This is the height of the tripod. Don't blow this. <laughs>
4: It's it's true, you know. My husband, you know, he always jokes he's going to go for, before me. So if if he goes before me, there won't be anyone to have the instructions. You're right. Maybe I should make some. Well, there <laughs> so there, there, there needs to be
2: there needs to be a plan because I think that that image is, uh, you know, that full stop there is uh, is quite important. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, all right. So I've got a lot of uh, new, uh, you know. Photographers that are just starting out and, and obviously are, are thinking of doing their own personal projects and maybe thinking of doing something a bit long-term, what would your advice be to those photographers starting out today?
4: Um, I think the thing that kept me going through all my projects and keeps me going now is curiosity. Yeah. That if you're not truly curious about where... The project project can go. I don't know that it would be hard for me if I lost interest in, say, the self portraits, or I lost interest in what women gun owners were thinking at the time I was doing that project. So I would say find projects that you're you're just super super interested in, um, and and don't worry about well it's easy to say, um, but personally I think the process the, the, the journey should be just as important as the final product, or it's not, at least for me, it's not worth it. Um, that I don't, I don't look back at any projects that I did and said, gosh, I could have used that time doing something else. Um, so I would, my advice would be find something that you're really interested in and don't worry about whether it's popular or not, or if it's in the style that someone else likes Um, it does mean if you, if you kind of go with my advice, you may not be able to sell it, Mm. but, um, but I'd also say, you know, art making is a hard job anyway. And so if you only want to make money, it's probably going to disappoint you.
2: (laughs) That's great advice, Nancy. That's perfect. Um, thank you. I wish you nothing but continued success. I will follow your journey closely and uh, I look forward to many, 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 many more years of uh, these amazing self-portraits and uh, everything else uh, that you do along the way. And uh, hopefully we can uh, chat again uh, sometime about uh, what you're doing next. I will put all the links to uh, your books and exhibitions and uh, all your other projects in the show notes uh, so that, that people can find them so nancy thanks so much
4: well thank you i really appreciate you spending the time with me and asking me these questions because you know it's you sort of get so into your own head that it's nice to talk to someone who doesn't know you doesn't know the work at all and sort of hear their feedback so i've really enjoyed just listening to the way you're responding to the work so thank you very much
2: yeah
1: thanks nancy Wow, that was awesome. Nancy Floyd, I mean everyone, you need to check out this body of work is as, as Gina mentioned, it's so interesting so powerful i think different Mm. people are going to get different things from it um but uh, her book is called weathering time and just check out her website nancyfloyd.com that's pretty easy to remember she's also on instagram and facebook at nancy so um absolutely check her out right Mm. so what are you doing in the coming week gina I am in pre-production for two shoots.
2: So one's a uh, sort of a, a Australia Arna surfy kind of lifestyle shoot and then I've got a big uh, TV production publicity shoot as well. So cool. getting those off the ground. Of course, I sent you my photo of my table. Very proud of that. So now yes, I, I need made to make something else. Mm. I'm just so proud of myself. And I, and I and sent Gina
1: a photo of my cat in a stroller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right. In the Pope Mobile. Because only Valerie, Ku would be someone that has an actual Pope Mobile for her cat, which is just like the best thing ever. You know, the first time I saw that, I just went, yep, that's our vow. <laughs> That's our vow, you know, and that's lovely of you to take your uh, little Rexy out for a walk. I'm sure he loved it. He loved
1: it, loved every second of it. Just so interesting to him. More
2: Pope mobile escapades for you this week. Oh, absolutely. Week involves, you know.
1: I've worked out now how to collapse the stroller and put it up in one fell swoop, and Rex just loves, you know, exploring his his kingdom. Yeah. Mm. The whole of Avalon yes. is
2: his kingdom.
1: <laughs> his you should
2: find a little pride rock to actually yes! put him on and do the recreation oh God, of the so Lion King. I'm that would totally be unreal. Gonna,
1: I know the rock. Okay. Do you know the yeah, rock?
2: Yeah, I do. <laughs> in the Popemobile? Are you going to keep him in the Popemobile? Well, or are you no, just gonna... that won't have the same
1: effect. Really? So
2: which scene are you going to do? So when he's born, it's like you're holding him up?
1: No, I don't want to be I in it. I have to it. come up
2: and do that. Yeah, fight. yeah. yeah I, we'll, we'll, just do it. We'll, we'll just
1: do it. We'll just do it. We'll make it happen. We'll style it. Don't worry. All That'd right. be amazing. We've come to the end of this week's episode, Where Do We Find You Online, Gina?
2: I'm at Gina Militia on all social media and uh, my website is uh, ginamilitia.com. So, that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love to see you in the gold community. Just go to ginamilitia.com. I keep forgetting this, vowel, is it? And click on join the community or just... The join what is it membership, membership. <laughs> so you shouldn't change i don't like change val so go Clearly. to com <laughs> and click on membership what about you val
1: you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at valerie com. thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next
0: time
2: thanks guys
0: thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer